Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward, and this week we are bringing back a segment we call Bigfoot Sightings. So uh, I just realized it's been over a year since we've done one of these episodes. Um, So let me kind of give you a heads up as to what it is, uh, just in case you're new to the show. Um, Bigfoot Sightings basically is us reconnecting with some previous guests and uh, listening to kind of shorter uh, tales of adventure that they've had recently. Um, and this week we ha- are bringing back two guests. We're bringing back Calvin Johansson, who's been on the show numerous times, and Jason Suddeth, who I'm pretty sure has been on every Bigfoot sighting. Um, and I kind of wanted to get their stories. So Calvin's story is all about a recent trip he went uh he went out to Washington to climb Mount Rainier for the second time. Um, and if you haven't heard Calvin on the show before, he's one of my favorite people in the whole entire universe. Uh, he's, he was the second guest ever on the show um, because he did this crazy mountain climbing adventure. Uh, and now we're about three years removed from that adventure, but he's headed back to Rainier to climb it again. Uh, and so you can kind of hear the differences between each of those experiences uh and this one's great i love this one um it's calvin going through a suffer fest and uh having some misadventures on one of the most iconic mountains in the united states so um i hope you guys enjoy i'll come back on before we get into the second segment and kind of introduce jason from there um but yeah i really enjoyed recording these episodes i like talking to both these guys they're two of my best friends so um let's get right into it this is the like a bigfoot podcast number 160 the fourth bigfoot sightings All right, guys, we're here once again with the beautiful, wonderful Calvin Johansson. Uh, fresh, like, let's paint this picture, Calvin. Um, okay. Let's say he's fresh down the mountain from Mount Rainier. So you can imagine him, like, stocking hat, like one of those Minnesota ones with the ear flaps. And then, <laughs> like, a big coat and, like, a giant beard, you know? Yeah, just like that. Yeah. He has, like, a rabbit thrown over his shoulder that he hunted on his own. <laughs> so yes all this yeah go ahead welcome back man (laughs) thanks thanks for having me (laughs) yeah how so okay so you that was the kind of like a big adventure that uh kind of came together over the last few months for you but the interesting thing for me and like maybe people have listened to the podcast is um you've been on the podcast talking about your first trip on mount rainier so i guess like first thing what what is it about Rainier that like brings you back for round two? Like you wanted to climb it again? Yeah, it's a great question. My uh, climbing partners, my one partner who I climbed Mount Rainier three years ago, I had the opportunity to do it. Total success, best weather ever. Just seemed like all the stars aligned. And when he saw that I was going to go do it again, he's like, uh, why are you going to do Mount Rainier again? Because I really don't. There's something not as appealing as redoing a mountain when there's so many other mountains to go do, let yeah. alone to invest in a weekend trip and gear and fly out there. And a couple like twofold main responses, I remember when I looked back to my 100 mountains, 100 days, Mount Rainier by far was the highlight. It was unlike any other mountain. Uh, it was the only real alpine mountain, which I'd never done anything like that before. And it's just so gigantic. You get there and it's 
it's hard to put into words. It really is. And I'm sure people say it's about, say, bigger mountains like Mount Everest or something. But as far as the United States, in my experience, you get there and this thing is just so freaking massive. And it's not like all my other experiences. Usually it's like maybe if you backpack up in there, if you day hike onto a mountain where it's like you need some hiking boots or running shoes. Uh, this you truly need a to be safe. You need at least one or two other people to have a rope team. It's true alpining. You put crampons on. You got to hike all your tents, your stuff up. And there's huge uh, crevasses and there's there's a lot of risk reward on it. And I guess the fact that it was such a highlight that since I had someone reach out to me, it was like, hey, we're gonna go do this. And he was one of my previous climbing partners on some other mountains. I was like, hey, if someone's encouraging me and that door of opportunity is there, uh, uh, I'm gonna take it. Even though I was a little bit more timid or quite scared this time around since I was not in supreme mountain climbing shape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I guess, from my perspective, one, does the mountain just look so gigantic because you're starting off maybe not at sea level, but like pretty far down? Yeah, so you start um, Paradise, the hut we use, where we started the Disappointment Cleaver route, which is the DC route, one of the, the main probably standard route up Rainier, which we chose to do the same one again just for time of season and success rate. Uh, yeah, you start around like 5,000 elevation. So the whole climb is 9,000 wow. elevation gain. So it's a big one. You put in comparison, maybe anyone who's in Colorado, like the 14ers there, your average 14er is like 3,000 because you drive up to yeah. 10 or 11,000 feet or something, and then you hike up. When you start so low, um, I mean, there's some crazy people. In my day, I could have did it all in one day. In this current shape, no way. So it's like you are going to at least backpack up hike all your gear, 50 pound packs with tents and everything to get halfway to set a camp and then you know take a little multi-hour nap and then try to push for the summit kind of thing. So it's big in the sense that, yeah, you have to gain 9,000 feet of elevation and it's a, it's a volcano. So it's the prominence of it. There's nothing else around it. So it's like self-standing if that's the right verbiage to use. But so since it's all by itself, so to speak, it's just, it not only looks magnificent huge but it is there's like eight or nine glaciers on it different glaciers it's gigantic <laughs> yeah yeah and it doesn't sound like there's anything comparable you know out here there's or down here in the in the like continental u.s you know like it sounds like a mountain from alaska when you describe it, it that way yeah and i haven't been to alaska but if you get up it's one of those I, it's one of those when you get to it, you're probably like, wow, this is it's huge. Like even being a couple hours away from the park and you can see it still all of its prominence by itself. You're like, that thing is so big. <laughs> and of course, as you get closer, it's it's still huge. I guess my point is that when you reverse it and you start going the other way, like away from the mountain, it should get smaller. But like it does not. It's so <laughs> intimidating and huge. It's, you know, ice and snow capped all year round. And uh, there's just something really neat about those huge cascade volcanoes. Um, I know now like there's a list I'd like to get out and probably do them at least. I've done two of them. I'd like to do a few of the other one, big famous ones that aren't as technical, like you can avoid glaciers and stuff, but they're huge, just really neat, different style of climbs on their own versus just putting on some running shoes and hiking up or running up a 14er. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, and then, you know, Mount Rainier, there's a national park named after the mountain. You know what I mean? I'm trying to think yeah. like, and this is where I will probably get like emails or whatever if I'm totally wrong, but I don't know any other national parks in the continental US 
because I was just remembered one in Alaska. (laughs) But in the continental U.S., that's just like named after one specific mountain within it. You know, it's not like Rocky Mountain (laughs) National Park is called Long's Peak National Park. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, or like Mount Whitney isn't Mount. Yeah, there's not even. I don't even think it's in a national park, is it? Maybe the Sierra Nevada is something, but I'm looking. I don't it up know. Right now, we'll probably so get some emails. Correct, I someone think correct us. <laughs> I think Mount Whitney's like right next to Death Valley, right? Or am I wrong about that? It is. Yeah, it's it's right by the <laughs> Alabama Hills and yeah. Death Valley. But I don't know that. Um, I can't recall like there being an actual national park you go yeah. into. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. But yeah, man, so it's just interesting in that sense is like this thing is obviously so prominent that when they were they decided like, hey, we need to like preserve this whole area, which is really cool. Yeah. So so yeah, man, so what is it like what is you did it in a weekend trip, which is hilarious to me. Like you're, you know, flying in from Des Moines, which is pretty low uh elevation. Um yeah. Except Mount Des Moines, which we've talked about, <laughs> <laughs> which is like a hundred feet higher than Des Moines. But and then you fly in. So like, what does your weekend look like? Like, what's your plan of attack? Yeah. So I laughed as far as when I was planning this trip, I was trying to make it just because my life schedule. Uh, my July is kind of crazy with work and other stuff. It was like, oh, as the dates got closer, when I had booked these dates, July 18th or something, it was like the only real time in june july that was gonna work for me i booked this like two months back and as it gets closer i'm like crap i just i don't have a lot of times that's how life is i don't have time to do this so i want to make this as quickly as possible but i knew going into like a climb of this magnitude that the one thing you just can't really cheat is altitude or elevation right and if you're not acclimated you can get mount acute mountain sickness really easily and prior in my experience, I was never really susceptible to it. I always handled elevation really well. Like I can't remember, you know, I'd get some headaches sometimes, but nothing like where I get vomited or super dizzy, ill, and I'm not going to make it. Well, I remember my last climb out in Colorado, I think, or one of my last couple of Calibra, I had to go out kind of like on a trip to go back and do it. And I was no longer acclimated at all. It just came from Iowa. I went and did it and I got so sick and so ill. It was like a huge ego check. And I had like a whole week of climbing prepared and I literally abandoned the rest of the trip because I felt so ill for like a couple of days, even coming up out of the elevation. And so with that thought in mind, I was just like, man, I hope this doesn't happen again, but I only have so much time. So what the, the trip looked like uh, in retrospect was terrible logistics because I wanted to stay in Iowa as much as possible because I just got back from a work trip. And so I chose the latest flight out as possible on a Thursday, which means I was going to get into Seattle SeaTac at midnight. And so I flew in, got there. The other guys got a hotel. I got to the hotel at 1 a.m. And we didn't have passes for the mountain. They reserve some walk-ins, and that's what we were banking on. So uh, as as we're flying out, my two partners Dude, that's so crazy, man. Yeah. My two partners were even more go with the flow than I am. Like I'm pretty go and they're with the flow and they're just like on another level. And these are some pretty experienced dudes that have done a lot more stuff. And so on the way out, like I'm in my uh, connecting flight and he's like, what time does the park open? I'm like Googling, it's like 7 a.m. He's like, so you think we should probably get there then to try to get our walk-up passes? Cause they reserve like 25% of them or something, right? So we knew we had a shot and there's a bunch of different routes we could try or we were gonna do a backup mountain if we couldn't do Rainier, we're gonna go do Glacier Peak. So we had like a backup plan if possible. So uh, 
get to the hotel at 1 a.m. And if we want to be at the park at 7 a.m., that means we have to leave at 5 a.m. So I get to the hotel. I try to sleep on the hotel room floor because they've taken the beds. And I roll around and I get maybe, maybe two hours of semi-sleep, like in and out. It was just awful. And so we get up at five and we start driving to the park. It's two and a half hours. I'm like, oh, I'll just sleep in the car. Well, I don't sleep anything at all and in route we're like oh we need to get some food for the mountains i'd grab some stuff at rei but i figured i'd grab some groceries make like some decent sandwiches like some okay meals on the mountain well nothing's open that early so we literally 45 minutes outside the park from or from paradise is where you go to we get like the last spot which is like a gas station we just grab some gas station food so now i have like some okay bars and stuff from rei and now i have gas station candy bars and some sandwiches i'm for whatever reason i'm just imagining like funyuns like uh, <laughs> i'll grab some hot funyuns <laughs> i was trying to avoid that because i was like man i know i need to eat some decent food because yeah, it all comes into yeah. like sleep food the basic nutrition and so we get to the park at say 7 30 and uh the route we chose the dc route uh there's two camps you can stay at the famous ones camp mirror a lot of people day hikers will hike up to it and like glissade down and if you go up a little bit higher, it's like another 1,100 or 1,200 feet is Ingram Flats. And <clears throat> I had stayed at Camp Mirror in the past, but this time we showed up and the lady's like, yep, the only pass available camping is Ingram Flats. And we're like, well, I guess we're going to Ingram Flats. Yeah. So like, you have to hike your gear up even another extra 1,000 feet, which in retrospect, I like that approach better because the day when you go to ascend, you're already higher up on the mountain, which is kind of nice and those things. So literally logistics were I flew in, Got to the airport midnight on Thursday, got to the hotel at 1 a.m., got to the park at 7.30, uh, started climbing at 8.30. From, so from 8.30 <laughs> to like 3, we got to camp. And I was like, I was so tired because I only had like one or two hours of sleep, right? And I was like, well, this would be perfect because from say 4, 4.30 on, I'm going to be sleeping, dead asleep until midnight when we wake up put our ropes and everything on and ascend through the night and do the rest of the climb. So I was like, I'm going to be so zonked out. I'm going to feel so refreshed because I was pretty exhausted. Well, you could probably imagine what happens. I get like zero sleep because in the middle of the day, you're all on, you're on a glacier and the sun's just beaming in your tent. And you're just sweating. You're basically laying there in your underwear sweating. And then <laughs> all of a sudden it becomes nighttime and you're freezing and you're trying to sleep on a sleeping pad, and then of course I'm in my head. I'm like, I'm not getting any sleep. And from I literally got maybe one, maybe two hours of sleep that entire time. So instead of getting that seven hours of full sleep, I got maybe one or two interrupted. So next thing you know, it we ended up leaving at 1:30 a.m. from our camp, uh, which I was like, you know what, I feel good. I'm gonna make this, you know. But man, we got up a couple thousand feet. You got to like 12,000 feet. And it was the point like I was really concerned for my team of being like, I didn't think I was going to make it because I was so exhausted. I was literally walking like six steps and I'd like micro nap in my eyeballs. Like I'd catch myself falling asleep. And it's dangerous when you're on like really slick, icy terrain where you can slip off, fall into a crevasse and you're in a roped in team. And if you don't make it, the rest of the team isn't going to make it. So it was a big struggle through the night, but we got there and then, yeah, we hiked back, climbed back out. So... Yeah. Long story of logistics, but it was in a better world. So yeah, for a weekend trip, that's what it is. And if, in retrospect, I would have flew in the flight earlier. They would have got me to Seattle at 6 p.m. So I could at least got the hotel, got better sleep yeah. for the hike up. And so I think just planning for that, doing what you can. And I got a little bit ill on the mountain. Uh, I was a couple hundred feet below the summit. 
doing the old vomit scramble, I guess. Like, acute mountain sickness was hitting me. There's nothing I could do about it. All I could think of was like, as soon as we get to the top, which means I'll give success to my two partners, then we can start descending. I'll start feeling a lot better. Plus, then the sun came out, which was a huge motivator because we were freezing. It was super cold. But the sun comes up. It's kind of like helps with your circadian rhythms. It's kind of like you start to wake up. And once you've met your objective, it's like, yes, you have a bit of adrenaline. So it's like, let's get down this mountain. Yeah. But yeah, it's a it's a tough one. So to do Rainier, you at least need two, three days is like what guide service will do just so you get acclimated better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was a really unique challenge in this sense because, you know, I did this three years ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm returning now. And I remember that experience three years ago. My rope team, there's three guys and like two of them were sea level dudes who just flew in and they were seriously struggling and i remember being on that climb being like i don't think i'm going to make these summits because my team members aren't going to make it and we're in a rope team which if one of you gets sick or ill you all have to go down it's a team effort right and i knew now coming into this like i was going to be in that same sort of experience so i could sympathize you know looking back because it's like here i'm coming from a thousand feet basically sea level in iowa not acclimated, not mountain conditioned and have to go through it. So yeah. it was it was a brutal climb. That's <laughs> interesting, man. Well, so yeah, so just for perspective before you were like 50 mountains into the some this 100 mountain project <laughs> thing, you know? So yeah. you were like I mean, you remember I went and climbed with you a couple of times and I'm like this guy is just like running up the mountain like it's what he's been doing for the last 100 days. <laughs> you know I, what I mean? Yeah. I remember uh, going back to my three years, the first time I did Rainier, I showed up, met these guys, and I was just so conditioned and so fat. You just become your environment, right? And it was funny. They're like, here, you carry the rope. You carry this. They were just giving me as much weight as possible to like slow me down a little bit and to help the team, right? Yeah. Well, this time, you were the guy like, that could carry all this stuff. Like, I carry all this stuff. I was just fast, conditioned, strong. I was just, I could do elevation gains like crazy in a day. Now it was like I was lugging the rope and stuff up, and I was just struggle bus the entire time. It was just like it was very tough. Yeah. That's an interesting uh, experience, man. So I got a- I was and to be honest with you, I was it's interesting experience because it's like the 180, but it also like me going out, I was a bit more kind of terrified and afraid because it's like I already kind of knew in my head somewhat more of what I was going to experience because I was not it's being a shell of your former self in some sense. It's right. The only analogy I can maybe give it is like, I don't know, say you ran a marathon five years ago and then you haven't ran since. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, you have this marathon scheduled next weekend. How are you going to feel about it? Like before you had trained the idealist condition, you're in marathon shape. And now, even though you did it at one point, mentally you could do it, physically you're going to be a whole different level. And then that's going to be a whole different mental game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. So... Just a couple ideas about that, because um, I'm I'm putting together this leadership course uh, for my students at school, and this situation specifically is just like a really interesting like leadership situation, right? Because you're used to climbing mountains by yourself, not really by. I mean, even if you're with other people climbing a mountain, you're still capable of going at your own pace. You know, yep. like remember when me you and Travis climbed. Mount Albert, right? Yep. And he just went mindless mode and ended up getting up there like 25 minutes ahead of us. And yeah. we're just kind of like, you know, 
taking her time. He also saw some attractive ladies at the top, so yeah. I think that might have had something to do with it. But <laughs> it's the hike your own hike kind of thing. Yeah, like, it's hike your own hike. And now you're you are since you're in a rope team, you are you go as fast as the slowest person essentially. Yeah, and it's I was worried I my two partners and they were they're way more experienced with glacier travel and stuff. Like the one guy has done Denali, the one guy's done They've done mountain courses, so they know all the like super technical stuff. I was for sure the weak point, and I was so glad and thankful they invited me and brought me because I told them I was like, "Hey, like I can bring some enthusiasm and some energy, but my technical skills, as far as like setting up crevasse rescue systems and stuff, like if someone falls in, I don't know any of that shit. Like I, mean, I haven't done the classes, which is dangerous because like when you're in a rope team tied into somebody, it's like you're all responsible for each other." And so, but they were really great in the fact that they said like, had I not come, they probably wouldn't have did the mountain because they didn't feel comfortable as a two man team because it's way safer, more comfort to have a three man team. And so they put me in the middle. I tied in the middle of the rope. They were on both ends. So that way, if something happened, there is, you know, a really good person on one end. uh, I could just hold the weight. And, but it was really interesting the fact that, you know, you can only go as, fast as your slowest guy and most time I was probably the slowest guy I really was and it was uh just that whole thing I had to keep sucking it up and um I remember thinking after it's like three in the morning and we're 12,000 plus feet or something with every other step I kept telling myself dude you should have just stayed in camp because I know I didn't have the energy like I literally in 48 hours slept maybe who's ever doing the math two to four hours maybe not even straight sleep and it takes a lot of energy and effort. And all I could think about was I, as I would slowly drift off, like literally micro nap, I'd catch my eyelids, like close it, I'd have snap awake and I had to think any moment I could just slip, take this whole team with me, which is really dangerous, right? Or because that I didn't have full rest and I wasn't in my optimal like shape or energy or rest to do this, now these guys are not gonna be able to summit and they've walked all the way up here and I'm part of the team and I'm gonna drag this team down. Yeah. And like I had to keep digging deep and then I had to like shake those thoughts out of my head and I'd be like, quit thinking that way because you're here and we're going up, right? And do you really want to bring this to your team? Like the one guy, he had climbed five times and he'd only ever summoned once. So this was the sixth attempt to try and summon his second time is the one guy's first time. And I'm like, I don't want to be that guy, especially when I was the guy before who's climbed 100 mountains in 100 days that I was like the superstar, right? But I was literally... If I wasn't in that team, I would have turned around like it was not good or safe for me. But it was it's a good leadership thing of what I looked at looking back. And once we got to the summit, because I was cut, like I said, I was a couple hundred feet below. Like I had to stop and I was throwing up and you could see the concern in my team members faces. They knew it like I was just ill and not doing well. And but I stuck it in there. I was like, he's like, what do you want to do? I was like, let's just, you know, go. We're almost there. And we got there. And then there's like. You know, at the end of it, there's like, hey, man, I kind of like opened up. I was like, I was in this really dark place and wasn't going to make it. And da, 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 da. And there's like, well, thank you for really hanging in there. Because by me hanging in there and keep pushing it just a little bit, it allowed for the whole team to succeed. Yeah. And it made me think looking back, it was like I, I, for once, played a supporting role as opposed to being the leader. Oftentimes I do a lot of solo stuff or I'm like the guy in charge. So it's like my lead, do as we say. But here I was literally a supporting role and that was my role the entire time on this trip. So like falling into that and 
doing the best I can as supporting roles so I can give success to my team members was like a really good lesson for me. Yeah. Well, they always say like leaders, the really good leaders have to understand what it is to be a follower in certain situations. And that sounds exactly like what you did. So when you think back to three years ago doing it, where yeah. still you were the novice yep. bike mountaineer knowledge guy, right? But yep. like in shape acclimation guy, you were like, you were like the all-star, you know what Correct. I mean? So <laughs> yep. how do you, and then you said your two teammates in that sense were struggling because they were coming from sea level the first time you yeah. climbed it. So do you think back and you're like, like, how did you handle that situation where other people are struggling versus this situation where you're struggling or like versus the way the other two guys handled you this year? Yeah. Um, if that makes sense. I'm just I trying to think, yeah, I think, let me, <laughs> I, I remember trying to think back to that headspace and going up on Rainier and being like, all of a sudden being like, because on Rainier and that one, I had to hit two summit objectives. There's yeah. the main one, Columbia Point, and there's Liberty Cap, which counts as second summit point for two 14ers. And so I had a big objective to get to the top and then get over to the other one. And I remember climbing up, it, it hit me and I was like, I'm not going to make this objective. And because we were going so slow. And so I remember being kind of angry and frustrated, right? And being like, "That's I'm not going to make it. But at the same time, then I was kind of content being like, at the same time, though, I would not be on this mountain or in this position to even go for the first summit point if these guys weren't willing to tag along and be like my support team. Yeah. So, and then I remember just coming to like, well, I want to think at the moment, <laughs> being like, like in a sense of, that's okay in this big grand scheme of things if i can't get over to that one summit point still in the collective experience experience it's a win because i'm still on this mountain these guys came up here with me to get to this point and that's amazing so right and then so i had to like dig into a lot of like patience and acceptance a little bit um to being like well this is this is a different thing because i'm in a rope team it's not just me anymore it's you're not only responsible for those three people time but they're responsible for you and it's collectively a team effort so at that point it wasn't like here i am trying to do 100 mountains in 100 days at the time i was just trying to do the 75 and 75 but it was just like this may very well be part of the story where it ends up being 73 mountains in 75 days because the one time i needed a team we couldn't complete it and i can't i don't have control over that i can do the best i can do i can try to help lead but if your team members can't or anybody for whatever reason can't make it happen it was a team effort right and you just have to kind of come to acceptance and it's like that's why you hear even my current partner on his last trip he had done rainier it took him five times to finally summit you know he had all these and you hear this like with rainier even they say the success rate's only around like 50 percent because of like crazy weather storms and all this stuff and um and also why even in mountaineering and hiking that you have to know be okay with when you even leave to go climb or hike when you leave your house that you may not make the summit you may only get halfway up and have to turn around you have to be okay with that yeah um which is quite a lesson to have it's tough it's a good so. ego lesson for sure it's a huge ego check big time huge yeah. lesson yeah you don't so you have to like kind of resist summit fever a bit where you see the summit and you're like, I'm getting up there. Like it's the whole mindset of like, no matter what I'm making it up there. But yep. mountaineering in itself is like such a potentially um, dangerous thing that you can't, like you just can't go into that and have that mindset. Yeah. So here's a fun little uh, 
thing I'll tell you about Rainier that no one probably this this might be a good end cap to the podcast story. But so when it comes to the whole idea of summit fever, I'm gonna do anything I can absolutely get there. Uh, this trip was unique in which I met peace with. Uh, when it comes to Rainier, a lot of times they'll say there's like two successor summit points. You can get to Columbia Crest, which is you get up there and it's like just the sheet of snow and ice inside the volcano. And then the true summit point is like another hundred feet. You have to walk like 15 minutes to go up this little hill to technically stand on the true summit. And so when we get there up over the crest in my head, I was like, I'm just going to the crest. I'm done. Like I've been to the true summit point. I don't need to go. And we get up there because I was like, I need to, I was so exhausted. And when you're in a mountain, you're only half, when you get to the top, you're only halfway done. You still have to go down. So in my head, I kept telling myself, I go, when I get to that crest, that's all the farther I'm going. I'll just hang out, camp. They, those, the one guy's never been up here. He can go the extra 15 minutes, the 100 feet, which is not hard at all, yeah. and go get the photo. So we get up there, we're like untying, dropping our bags, and they just said, guys, you can go to the point, like, I'm not going. And they both kind of looked at me, I was like, I've been there, I can go, I'm gonna save my energy, so I can go back down. And the one guy's like, okay, he's like, well, do you wanna like heat water and stuff for us? And I said, that's that's great. I'll like, so I got out the stove and I started melting ice to like get water for everybody and warm it up. And they like walked off and took the extra 15 minutes to go up to the summit point, take their photo and come back. So yeah. in some sense, so just by doing that, it was like I helped, and the whole time I was like, I knew as long as I can get them to the crest, I succeeded in my role in the support, and the one guy got to go for sure reach his true summit point. So, yeah, man. in some sense, you could say I didn't summit Rainier. The other sense, you could say like I did. I was just I made it to one spot, and I was like, I'm good. Like I don't need to go the extra 15 minutes to the one little spot. Yeah. So, and you played your role um, because you needed to conserve that energy. Otherwise, you know, the way it, did you, so. I guess here's a question: On the way down, did you start to feel better? With the whole I felt altitude a lot thing. with the altitude, I felt better, but also like the sun and energy levels. Like then I was able to start drinking water again and eat some food because always I was just like vomiting it up yeah. and I wasn't holding anything down. And yeah. so with the weather, like I wasn't as frozen, and that helped. And it for us, it was a huge win because as we hiked up the day previous and we got to camp, the ranger gave us the update and he said, "Hey, I just want to give you guys the update. Last night, nobody summited. They all had turned around at about thirteen thousand feet because there was huge ice storm. Like it." It rained and thunderstormed and all froze like a sheet of glass. And he goes, it's more of like ice climbing than it is mountaineering right now. So just a heads up, everyone else turned around. And he goes, it's the point. He goes, if you slip and slide, he goes, you're going to die. And he goes, and it was. It was. And so they told us, I'm like, we're all like, damn, do we not like go up then? And we're like, you got to go check it out for yourself. Like go as high as you can to see it with your own eyes. And I got to tell you, man, that stuff, we got on it and I was it was scary and it was the point of we i saw one or two guys who were soloing it and all i could think i was like if you take one slip you're donezos because you're on like i don't know what the angle is like 40 not quite 45 degrees but you're yeah. on these sharp angles and it's just a sheet of glass and where you slide in these crevasses it's bottomless and it was it was terrifying but we thankfully the weather ended up being absolutely gorgeous absolutely perfect and we got to have a great experience and all three of us really enjoyed it and we all played our role and had not if one of us not been there which i almost you know backed out it's like they wouldn't have got that experience to go up the mountain because they wouldn't have done it with just two of them yeah well and then we were texting back and forth a few days ago about the whole idea of like because i mean i guess first of all you had a true suffer fest out there it sounds oh, like oh man <laughs> biggest 
one of the hardest ones of my life for sure. And it's it's difficult in the moment, but at the end of the day, you learn a lot of lessons. You learn about yourself, and you know you get to like kind of look back on it with rose-colored glasses and be like, "Man, what a great experience!" Remember when I was throwing up while scrambling up a mountain? You know, <laughs> but yep. but we were texting the other day about. Um, being able to find other people who are willing to go through that with you. And it doesn't sound like the other guys had like a true suffer fest, but like the potential was there, you know? Yeah, I mean, it sounded like uh, Jonathan, the third guy who'd never been up the mountain, you know, he was really awesome. He's just the way he is. And all of a sudden at the end, he like, he's like, he's like, no, he's like, he's like, dude, I was pointing. He goes, my eyesight was always, I was dizzy and my eyesight was blurry and I got all, his feet were super blistered unlike mine. And like, they were having to just kind of expressed it differently. And they also, to there's like, man, this really sucks in the moment. But you get done and you look up and you're like, holy shit, we climbed that. And especially Rainier, all of a sudden you get to the bottom, you're like, how the fuck was it just on top of that thing? Like, you can't even rationalize it. It's, it's bananas. Yeah. Um, and so my takeaway on that was like, you know, I kept in the moment, I was like, why am I here? This is my last mountain I'm ever climbing. I'm throwing all my shit away. I'm selling it. Like, I'm done. And I just bought all some of this gear to invest in. I was like, no, like I'm, I'm, this is not me anymore. I'm done. But you get to the bottom and I think back, I'm like, you know, I'm so glad I have friends who are willing to reach out to one, only reach out to invite me. So that says something, someone to encourage me, to push me, to make me better and to bring me along, kind of go through that supper fest kind of thing. Because the alternative was like, I could have spent another weekend on my couch or doing kind of the same stuff I always do, which that's fine, but in the grand scheme of life, I'm really glad for these, you know, really rare opportunities. And that's the thing, when this opportunity pops up, it's not like I'm getting this call all the time. It was like, this could be the one opportunity to ever climb Rainier again or something, you yeah. know? And so because of that, like, and it, people you can trust. So it's like having people who are willing to call on you to suffer with these things, but then also people you can truly trust and get along with. Yeah. Well, having people calling you to suffer through one of these things is like a show of faith in you, you know? Yeah. Like they are showing you like, Hey, this has the potential where we're all going to feel a lot of pain and misery and it might be really difficult, but you're kind of like, you're tough enough that you have been able to handle this in the past. So let's do it again. You know? And the only way you find yeah. out if you can do that is by actually like going out and giving it your best shot. So true. Yeah. So my big lesson there is like not only to get a lesson in supporting roles, but also uh, the power in saying yes to rare opportunities when other people trust in you. And it's because you've been kind of trying to show your best all along. And that that means something. It yeah. does. Yeah, definitely. And then together, it's like the whole piece of a whole that we all, if one of us had not chosen to or whatever, then none of us would have had the experience. We all would have sat at home on the couch, right? But now we have kind of this story and loose plans for next summer and whatever else yeah, you know man. i love it well hey man i better let you go uh roast up that rabbit <laughs> Take That's right. i don't roast up the rabbit once i don't uh, that was remember i said at the beginning you're like a mountaineer coming down uh the closing loop folks okay. yeah <laughs> yeah yes you're gonna use the fur to make gloves right <laughs> <laughs> yes for the next one absolutely all right man well hey dude uh is awesome talking to you we need to have an adventure again me and you so we can yeah. both suffer together and then laugh about it later for sure <laughs> all right see you all right. Chris,
All right. Huge thanks to Calvin for coming back on the show um, and sharing his story. And uh, yeah, I think there's some definite takeaways there. Um, but also ultimately, it's about how he's able to push through um, and work with his team, which I think is, is really cool and really interesting. Uh, when other people are relying on you, you have uh, that much more motivation to give it your 100%. And even if that 100% means a lot of suffering, like uh, like Calvin went through. <laughs> but yeah, so um, I guess if you enjoyed that story, I'm pretty sure it's on the second episode of the show where Calvin talked about Mount Rainier. Um, if it's not that one, it's on one of the first 20 so go back check that out about his uh first attempt at it and you can kind of see how his how his uh adventures were were very different which is cool to me because you know there are a handful of mountains that i've chose to hike multiple times um and sometimes you start you're starting and you're going back up the same trail you've already climbed and you've already hiked and you're like man why am i doing this again you know like, didn't I already accomplish this? I've already been to the top, right? Um, and then somewhere along, you know, along your journey sometime during the day, you realize like, oh, this is a completely different experience this time. Um, my thoughts are different. My mindset's different. The elements might be different. Uh, and that's what I love about adventure. You know, you can go on these and you can have such wonderfully, um, you know, wonderfully diverse experiences every single time so i think it is worthwhile and it's funny being in colorado now there's so many mountains it's like man what's the point like why would i even repeat one um and yet i know for me like i'm thinking of there's a mountain uh next to my wife's parents like mom and stepdad they have they they have a place next to this or on this mountain and so when we're out there i like to go climb it um so i've climbed it probably like 10 times and now the fun part is you know, I know the course, I know the trail and I have my, my little things like, uh, different parts along the way I, I have nicknames for Right. Um, you know, so there's like, this is the tree I almost fall at. <laughs> this is the part where I see mountain goats. This is the mountain goat home. This is the top. This is the tingler. Um, which, you know, uh, is, is kind of cool like you kind of feel like oh, i've had so many adventures on this mountain I've, i really feel like i know it so um kind of something something kind of fun to think about when when i think about why calvin went back to mount rainier to see it again plus i mean having never been to mount rainier or i've seen it but i've never been on it or climbed it um it's iconic it's it's a beautiful mountain and i'd love to get up there someday all right let's get into segment two uh jason's been on the show a bunch of times Basically, you can follow his journey on the show from non-runner to uh, running his first 50K, um, his first ultra at the Pilot Mountain to Hanging Rock Ultra down in North Carolina. Um, and now he's signed up for his very first 50 miler and I'm super stoked for him and I'm excited to see how it goes, all the ups and downs, the peaks and valleys of, it, of his adventure. Um, and in this episode, or this segment, we talk a lot about two previous races he's participated in. One, and they're both from uh, the fantastic Run Bum. If you're in the Southeast, and now he's spreading out to Utah and stuff with some of his races. Um, 
but I've done a handful of his races and they're some of my absolute favorites. So uh, Jason's going to talk about the Grayson Highlands uh, trail race. Grayson Highlands is an insanely beautiful part of Virginia. It's my favorite part of Virginia. Um, there's ponies. There's like wide open views in every direction. It is absolutely stunning. And if, if you're ever in Virginia, it's on the far west side kind of like southwest side of virginia and it's a, definitely worth the trip um and then the second race is the quest for the crest um this is insanely steep you're on some weird trail like in the middle of nowhere i have no idea how to find the beginning of this race even though i've done it twice uh one time i did the 10k um, and then the next year they had their first 50k option but you start in the middle of the woods you just get dropped off by a bus and then you go straight up this mountain um hands and feet sometimes it's the first three miles i can't remember how much you gain but it's an incredible amount of elevation uh it takes people about an hour to get up the first 5k of this race it's it's something you have to experience to even understand and then the next four or five miles uh you're going straight downhill. So you climb up this mountain. You have insane views in North Carolina. It's by Asheville. Uh, I think it's Burnsville. But um, you have these amazing views that are probably the best view I've ever had on the East Coast. Um, and then you just descend and it destroys your quads. And if you're doing the 50K, you're like, what did I just sign up for? That was the beginning of the race. What's the rest of this thing going to be like? Uh and it's pretty epic, man. So anyways, we talk about that, his experiences there, um, what he's doing to prepare for a 50 miler and really how he's avoiding injury. Then we also have his lovely wife, Joy, come on. Um, Joy is also getting into running. She works at a, the local running store in Danville, The Brick, which is an awesome store if you're ever in Danville, Virginia. Um, and we've had Adam on the show, he's the owner. Uh, she talks about that. She's also been kind of battling some injuries. So we kind of just speak about that. And really, honestly, this is just a catch up conversation between me and, and both the Suttas. And I really enjoyed it. And I hope you guys do too. Let's get into it. All right, guys, we're here with uh, Jason Suttas. And Jason, man, I got to say, it, it's uh, a, <laughs> it, it can't be a Bigfoot sightings episode without. Uh, an appearance by Jason Suttoth. I know, right? Yeah. So you're like contractually I, obligated I, for this. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Your your podcast's too good for me these days. You got all these really really cool badass runners and adventurers, and I'll I'll, I'll settle for my my sightings. Man, I think you're a cool badass adventurer yourself, my friend. So. <laughs> Um, but I was just telling Jason, I have weird, like stay at home dad energy right now, which means basically, <laughs> uh, you know, it, I have my five month old and it's like 90 degrees out and I'm like, I can't take her out 90 degrees. You know what I mean? Like I just, it's not a responsible parent thing to do. So I've been stuck inside all day and I haven't talked to a single soul. So there you go. That's the energy you're hearing right now. Bring it on. Yeah, man. Well, Hey, so I want to have you on cause um, you're training for your first 50 miler, which is freaking mind blowing because I remember the very first episode you were on, we were, 
we were talking about a backpacking trip and at the end of it i don't even remember if it was on the podcast or if it was after we were just talking but i was like dude you should do a 50k and then you signed up and did a 50k and now you and now you're signed up for a 50 miler you just keep on peer pressuring me into these events man. yeah man so uh tell me like why why are you doing this what is what's your purpose like what are you seeking um i want to see if if i can do it see if it's possible see see what those limits are um i don't know go out there and just adventure seeking out adventures and it's an excuse to get out and see mountains so that's really the gist of it it's nothing spectacular nothing great just going out and have an excuse to see mountains see how many miles i can put on my feet i know that's the short answer (laughs) (laughs) yeah man well hey so give us like a little idea like what's the what is the 50 miler where's it at um Um, like what are you expecting from it so it's it's actually in the crowder mountains so um it's in charlotte north carolina um i can't pronounce the name i can't spell it um i'd actually have to look it up to tell you exactly what it is my wife diligently there she is hey hey what's up <laughs> um, hey <laughs> um uh looking up right now i really i can't pronounce the name it's, is it is it the mon knock ultra that one that one that is the one wait okay so i want you to say it now and then i want joy to try to say it the let me see it. Do you have it on your phone? That tough one. It is the Manadoc <laughs> Ultra <laughs> Miler. No. I like that. That's. I mean, I'm sure you pronounced it perfectly, my friend. Yeah. For hours. That's awesome. So okay, so just looking at this, man, it's in December. Like, you realize that there could be potential, like. I mean, the picture I'm finding on Ultra Sign Up is the trail covered in snow. That's Which is my place. <laughs> I I like, I hate the heat. We've talked about your desert running and all the things and me potentially doing this desert run. But that's cray cray. Don't make that face. No, I... <laughs> I do so much better in the, in the cold and in the winter. And I think, um, I don't know, if there's snow on the ground, yeah, we'll figure out what we need to do and just run in snow. But cold weather, I can deal a lot better. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, that makes sense. So what, what made you, like, what was it about this specific one that you're like, I think I'll do this one as my, as my first 50 miler? Um, it's lower elevation gain, so it's not as hardcore that part, but it was also $50 for a 50 miler. So I'm all about paying for the cheap races. Dude, that rocks, man. Well, and you're talking about lower elevation gain and you're wearing the, uh, quest for the crust t-shirt. Yep. I am. I picked it out just for you. (laughs) So So tell everyone a little bit about quest for the crust because, um, is one of my favorite races that I've ever done. It is killer. Um, you literally run up and down the highest mountain on the East Coast three times, and 
it, it's the the first um, the first two miles literally take like three hours because I'm not fast. But like good runners, it takes them a good solid hour. So. Yeah, so an hour for three miles is insane. And it's mm -hmm. straight up. Like you are grabbing roots, you're grabbing rocks, and you're like almost rock climbing up this hill in the middle of nowhere, yep. by the way. Yeah, so it, I, yeah, ran, awesome. I ran, the, I attempted the 50 miler and I made it to the first aid station and missed the cutoff by seven minutes. Ugh. So I wear the shirt proudly and, and for that. But then um, I did the um, uh, half marathon or the 10 miler this past season and crushed it. 10K, I'm sorry. And did pretty good at it. Yeah. Um, ended up cutting 45 minutes off my time from the, the first time I did it. Dude, but, that rocks. But it also wasn't monsooning. Like, it, the rain the first time I did it was nuts. It rained for, like, a week solid leading up to it, and then it rained all day. It was just cool. But then this past time, it was, it was a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, man. So you've done a couple of so run bums races. So you've done a couple of them. Uh, yeah. How was Grayson yeah, I Highlands? I did that. That one. That would. I think. I think that's my favorite race so far. So it was just a cool. I don't know. It the the train's different. It's it, the the elevation's so much more suitable for for my style of running. I mean, I'm more the rolling hills, not right out of the gate going straight up this one the straight up was closer to the end yeah which it was better for me like i just i handled it better um i don't know if my i mean i did that one two weeks before i did uh quest for the crest too so i don't know i was it it seemed more suited towards like my training and everything was towards it i guess yeah yeah, that, that makes sense, man. So what what are you going to do to prepare for a 50 miler? Like or what do you like what are you expecting, dude? Like cuz I've only I've ran two of them and that's it. And both times my uh I mean, you know, whatever. You can probably handle it better than me, but my uh I my leg muscles at the I just remember my last one, my leg muscles at the end like stopped working. Where I was just like I don't have any muscles in my legs anymore. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I mean, really, it's just going out there and putting my best foot forward. No pun intended. But I mean, it's I'm not starting well. I decided to go and sprain my ankle and playing soccer and kind of a bummer. But I run. Um, so Adam at the brick. Woo. Danville, Virginia brick. Um, <laughs> shout out. They he's actually putting on the hunt for Heiko. So we're running from the brick all the way to Heiko Lake, North Carolina. Um, so I don't know if you, if you remember. Do you remember the lake? Yeah, I think so. So yeah, it's a marathon. So I'm running that into this month. Nice. Um, and then didn't break my foot. Oh, yes, Adam broke his foot. What really? Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. How did you do that? Tell him to. He was racing a 17-year-old on the trails. That'll do it. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't paying attention, but a root jumped up and got him. Yeah, and 
instead of rolling with it, he caught himself. Yeah. And Joy can tell that story a lot better than I can, I think. He broke him out of charcoal. All right, Joy, come on, come a little closer, come a little closer, and tell us how. Yeah, first of all, I gotta say, as a middle school teacher, um, when I've hurt myself over the last five years, most of the time it's doing something really stupid, where it's like rugby club with the thirteen-year-olds, and I start sprinting and like cutting, like I yeah. feel like I'm Barry Sanders or something, and uh, and then all of a sudden the next day I like can't walk, so I can kind of relate. Right. Well, Adam just turned 40 this year, but he is, he does extremely well, is a fantastic athlete. Um, but you know, and now Tuesday nights we have trail group runs and he was running with this one cross country legend pretty much um, <laughs> as far as goes and 17, um, his like average is like five minute mile. Like that's his average across the board. Crazy. And they were pretty much right next to each other. And there is a root, and he kind of slipped. And instead of rolling with it, he caught himself. And that kind of. So, like his two, like his fourth and fifth metatarsal on his right foot just broke. So I come in the next day because I was off. So I was coming in from a paycheck. And the only reason why I was going to work. And I see this big ass boot. I'm like, and I knew it was, he was not being the smartest one, but he has an ego too. So <laughs> I was like, now did you learn your lesson? <laughs> what were you doing? We let the 17 year old just go by. So <laughs> now, I, now I refer to him as a uh, tink tink. Tink tink. Or a little tink tink. <laughs> Man, that sucks. Well, send him my best. I don't, I don't know. How long does that even take to recover from? He was told a minimum of six weeks in the boot, but then his fiance said that he's trying to run the Martinsville Mile on the 17th with a, with a broken foot. Yeah, that's about right. So, Adam, if, if you guys haven't listened to the show, like to the show with Adam, he's uh, he owns a running store called The Brick. And I feel like if you own a running store it's difficult to be injured while owning a running store. You know what I mean? He's been saying the office the whole time. Yeah. Well, he's, he's saying like, so he was going to run hunt for Heiko with me, but he was, he's, he's now officially going to bike the hunt for Heiko with me. So that's cool. How so many people, right how many people are doing the hunt for Heiko? Um, I think probably seven people, seven, <laughs> seven. or eight around there shout out some people sign up for the hunt for Heiko. that would be awesome yeah the hunt for a Heiko was truly one of those things where adam was just wanting to hey why don't we just run to Heiko lake one day <laughs> so carefully it's just one big uh group run so that's really all it is that's super cool though so yeah. are you guys like are you planning, Jason, are you planning on like staying with a group or is everyone splitting up or like how, how's that going to go? I'll be the slowest runner out there. I can guarantee it. <laughs> I'm the slow and steady. I don't know. I mean, if I'm feeling good, I'll go fast. If I don't, I'll just finish. So yeah, um, that's kind of how I roll. Um, my plan is to, I mean, just use it as a training run. I'm going out there to have fun. Um, 
So I've got that, and then I'm actually doing Pilot Mountain Hanging Rock in October. Nice, man. That again. Um, so that's that'll be my uh, another 50k, and then by then, really kind of dive deep into a couple long runs, and here's December. Yeah. So, Joy, what do you think about Jason uh, taking all this stuff on? <laughs> you knew you were going to do this. <laughs> I did. I did. So, truthfully, honestly, with somewhat of a fitness background, I mainly am thinking about, like, how could he do this? Like, what, like, the runs that he wants to do without getting injured yeah. like he's been doing. So, like, him doing those distances it is whatever because, you know, gives him a goal. He does really good with goals, um, just something to kind of work towards. Him doing the distances, I obviously know that he could do a 50K with no issue. Um, and even doing, like, the half marathon with the Greats and Highlands and stuff like that. So, I'm fine with him doing all these, like, you know, ultra marathon distances and whatnot as long as he's able to properly train for it and be able to give like the proper training for said distances without getting injured yeah so he's able to do that i'm all bored (laughs) but most times it doesn't happen and he gets my opinion on the matter but i also know that there's no breaking through his thick skull so he's gonna do it, and then I'm just there to be his nurse afterwards. <laughs> yeah, well, so, it does. I I've always heard like half the battle for an ultra is showing up to the start line healthy. Yeah, you know, yeah, and exactly. I yeah. I know it's it's difficult to do, especially because when you're training for like a 50 miler, you're like, holy crap, I have to like crank the miles right now like i better like amp it up you know but if you start increasing those miles way too fast that's that's when, when a lot of people get messed up yeah exactly so as long as, truthfully, as long as he's able to you know pro- give enough time to at least get the amount of time on his feet not necessarily the mileage but at least getting used to being on his feet for three hours four hours whatever I'm all for it, but you know, life happens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like right now you have a really good plan with your whole do a marathon this month, um, in a couple of months, do a 50 K and then build up to that 50 miler. You know what I mean? Um, like that's the solid plan. The, the, the plan, you know, I've, I did it last year, man. In November, I, I had a week off for Thanksgiving and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to run a billion miles this week. And, you know, four days into that, I tweaked my calf and I was out for like a month. So um, it totally happens. And it's hard for that. Like, <laughs> it's hard for that restraint. You know what I mean? Um, I guess my like most solid advice would be just finding time to be on your feet no matter what you know what i mean like if when i was training for a 50 miler um it was all about like also going for walks you know because going for walks isn't gonna put that pressure on and hurt you or anything but it's gonna get you more time on your feet more miles things like that and then at work just walking around pacing like i don't know how often you're on your feet at work but 
that would be more all the time. Yeah. All right, there you go. So yeah. then it's just like you're finding these opportunities to train, quote unquote, when you're not yeah. like actually training, if that makes sense. Oh. <laughs> Do you hear? Can you hear in the background? This is going to be the podcast. Yeah. Someone's like, his child is, is, uh, this is one I'll, I'll like listen back to when she's like, you know, older and yeah. I'll start crying. I'll be like, she was a baby once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's but, but yeah, man. Well, Hey, Oh, and then I guess the other thing I want to talk to you really quick about is you did a 12 mile or 12 hour race. Um, a long time ago. It was like last year. Um, so, yeah, that was last year. Yeah, man. Tell me about that. Cause it's been a while. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was really fun. I wish Caleb was here to be on there. My uh, younger brother, he uh, was a total badass. Not only did his first marathon, no, not his first half marathon, not his first marathon, not his first 50k, but he did 50k plus two extra laps, basically. Wow. So, when it was all said and done, it was 30, Four. no, it was 38. No, 34. 38 miles. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, he crushed it. Do you want me and to edit out uh, Joy saying 34 and you just completely disagreeing with her? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's shaking his head no. Um, dang, man. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's cool, actually. You, you kind of like have spread this love of ultra running and trail running and stuff to your younger brother. It's a two-mile loop. No, it's not. It's a mile loop. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, Chris. I was wait, hold on. Wait, wait. I want to, I wanna, like, jump into this. Is it the green, green loop in Angler's Park? The green loop. Oh, man. Miles is the green loop? Joy, I, I hate to agree with Jason, but I think it's two miles. It's more than a mile. I know that. I ran it a lot that day. Adam, okay, so Adam's information was wrong. It may have changed because Hurricane Michael destroyed angler's park but oh wait it was mile and a half loop no it's two it's that would hey jason just agree dude that's going to be the compromise yeah. you know what i mean there's yeah. no compromise i'm know. losing <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't know in I my head know. it's like two and some change you know actually. what actually wait, wait 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 hold on i have to get back in like my danville mindset of angler's park real quick Cause I think Joy's right now. I think it was. I think it was a mile and a half. Cause I would do it a couple. I would do it like twice to get in three miles. But I don't know. So maybe it's one. I don't know. It's it's changed multiple times. I know that because Hurricane Michael did break anglers, and they had to like change trails and oh really do all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. So. That's crazy. I, How'd you feel during that, man? I've never done a 12-hour race. Like, I don't know what that would feel like. I I gave up after it was right at, I think, 10 hours. I, I called quits. I wanted pizza and beer. Um, <laughs> Caleb showed me up because he thought he was a, he thought he was two laps behind me. So he was like, I got to at least finish where you were. Come to find out we were pretty neck and neck. So he yeah. went and did the overachiever thing. Yeah. What did you guys do when you saw each other on the trail? Like, did you do laps with each other or, or what? We did out for a while, several times. I mean, we'd do a couple laps together, and then he'd feel bad, and he'd hang back behind, and I'd keep going, and then vice versa. I'd feel bad, and he'd keep going. I mean, 
for 10 hours, 12 hours, you you being here, it's, it's totally 80% mental. I mean, you're, you're out there just trying to figure out what to do. I mean, you're playing games with yourself. You're picking out trees to get to. You're walking hills. You're running hills. You're trying to go as fast as you can here, slow as you can here. Um, I think at one point, Caleb and I played I'd, I Spy. Um, we'd see how many times we could count the same mushroom on the trail. Um, we talked about the Oh, High and Mighty. By the end of it, it was the Oh, High and Mighty mushroom that would give you superpowers like Mario. Um, but then it turned into the one-up Mario. It was, it was yeah. Um, we would um, pick up a stone out of the creek and run around, drop it in the creek, and see if we could find it on the next lap. I mean, silly things. Uh, Caleb, Caleb and I both, we, we, we literally just kind of bantered. That's, um, that's really cool, I, man. Uh, yeah, it was fun. I set up the Honda right there at the, the entrance to the trail so we could just hit out of there. And, I mean, we had all the goods there. 1.8 miles to settle this argument. I feel more compromised. <laughs> so, You know, it, it's, it's leaning towards two, which means you win the argument, I think. That's true. Yeah. I'll give him that. <laughs> uh, dude, that sounds fun, man. Like, honestly, people have described looped events to me, and I was even signed up for one, and they ended up canceling it because of, like, the crazy amount of rain we had. Um okay. Well, you were but, doing that right before deserts, weren't you? I was going to, yeah. And then uh, it rained like that whole entire week before it. And then the uh, like county or city park or whatever, uh, they ended up uh, calling the race director. And it's like, hey, man, we gotta, we can't have people running for 12 hours <laughs> on these trails. Otherwise, it's going to like completely destroy the trails. So, which I get because yeah. I ended up going for a long run that weekend uh, in a different area and mm -hmm. the trails were dude it was like running down a creek of water i at one point i'm like is this a trail or is this like a creek <laughs> but yeah, uh that, that was yeah that was grace and highlands for me yeah yeah exactly it reminded me of that actually but um what you just said makes me want to do a 12-hour race like that sounds super fun just hanging out with your brother yeah. or, like with a friend and like yeah. playing silly games like that like that just sounds like a fun way to spend a day until you're like yeah, nine hours was, in, you know, it was good. It was, I, I wish that the loop was a little bigger. So if I do another one, I will look for one that's got a, a five mile loop yeah. or a, maybe a, even a, like a, a, I don't know, something that's like got a little bit more on it. Um, this one, it just got so, I guess it was just monotonous. Like it ate at my brain more than my feet. Um, so, but it was, it was real fun. It was, it was definitely good. We both jumped in, or we got our kiddie pools and filled them up with ice and Epson and put the cooler in between us. So he had a had a um, kiddie pool and I had a kiddie pool and we just sat in the backyard for like three hours afterwards. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's super cool, man. Yeah. So Joy, you uh, really quick. So you started working. Uh, is she not in the room anymore? <laughs> Joy. <laughs> it's okay <laughs> um uh so you started working at the brick and i know if just from messaging back and forth with you a bit like you were signed up for a few races and um 
injuries happened, unfortunately, and they didn't pan out all the way. So what what has uh, been like, what's it been like to work at the running store and how is that like, how, how has that kind of like influenced you as a athlete and a runner and stuff like that? Well, like in high school, I played soccer. Um, I did all the military stuff. Um, and then after, um, I was home for a while after I did my training, got into bodybuilding and that was my main thing. And then running was always something that I had to do because yeah. of the national guard. <laughs> Um, but then, yeah, I mean, just being at the running store, I mean, you kind of can't help but to Catch the feel book. like you have to run. And then, um, running turned into more of like a challenge and I do well with challenges because I feel like I have to become good at it. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, so I was able to learn a lot as far as like even just from simple like running form and the importance of shoes and the nutrition, pretty much all the stuff that I say to customers every day. Um, and then just hearing just advice from like other people, whether they're more road or more trails. And then just like hearing their experiences, what they were doing, how things worked out for them. Um, and then whatnot. And then, um, yeah, I was signed up for the Grayson half. And then two weeks before, I messed up both knees. And from what I was told, it was my femurs grinding against my pelvis. So it felt fantastic. <laughs> um, and there's like my left one healed within maybe like a month. Um, and then I still have some issues with my right one, but I figured out a way to just make it work with a really supportive knee brace. <laughs> and as long as I can make something work, I will deal with it. Yeah. Um, the cross training was definitely the lifesaver for sure. I don't understand how runners can just run and not do anything else. <laughs> I don't either. That, I don't, yeah. yeah. So that was the main thing because I was super surprised. Like, because I had ran for the first time a couple weeks ago and I was like, I can run. I can run a mile. I can run two miles. What is this? Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I got strength in my legs still. <laughs> um, so, I mean, just from doing that, it helped a lot because I obviously had the um, the strength for it. Um, now I just gotta get into a routine of just getting my legs used to the high impact. Um, and that's truthfully just keeping a routine so that it just kind of is consistent. Um, and just kind of going that way. I mean, I have to do that great and half because I mean, I can't get revenge. I have to. <laughs> um, so that is truthfully the number one race that I know for sure I will have to do. Because there's no question. I got to do that race. <laughs> and also, it was beautiful there. And um, just going from plan originally planning to do run it and then having to do more aid station, literally every single person at the aid station ran the 50K of the day before. So I'm like the only one. I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So. I felt extremely uncomfortable um, just because I was the only one that didn't race. 
Um, and then them talking about like how the 50k went and like waterfalls that they saw and the cows and the ponies and just stuff like that. Um, so yeah, for sure. I'm doing that one. Um, I'm not, I've never was one to do much races because that means I have to ask off of work. <laughs> so it's just never been more like my thing. Um, I usually, I'm just good to just do it. And then if I decided to do a race, okay. But, um, the only ones I for sure am wanting to do at some point is the Grace and Half and the Pilot Mountain 50K. I know for sure I want to do those. Those are both excellent races. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's gorgeous. Um, Just from a kayaking there, I was just like, yeah, that'd be cool. (laughs) It's sweet, man. Except for there's one. Yeah, there's one section of like horse trail that goes straight up the hill. That section sucks. But the rest of it is just an awesome race. Well, thank you guys both for coming on the show. You guys are the best. You like, I just enjoy talking with you, and hopefully, I can get out there and do some races with you at some point. So, all right, guys, that'll do it for the show this week. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope you guys are off to a wonderful start or end of your summer, start of your kind of fall. I guess I'm a teacher, so I'm always like, this is the reset point where now we start a new year. Um, and man let me tell you real quick my life has gotten insanely busy uh my daughter started kindergarten um my youngest my my six month old is now in daycare and you know it just life is busy right now and uh something i realized is when life is busy you have to prioritize you know your time and you have to wake up early and if you want to make sure you're still kind of accomplishing the goals you're shooting out to accomplish like you have to intentionally work for them because otherwise um you're gonna get so wrapped up in day-to-day life you're you're not going to be able to uh have any time so for me that means waking up at four in the morning every day so i can go run and running at four thirty in the morning not my favorite thing to do in the world uh but I like it. I like the fact that I've done it and I feel more energized through the day. So I know it's kind of something to keep my own happiness going. Um, and then the podcast, I, I, this is my, this is my thing. I love doing this every single week. So the goal is that we're still doing this every single week. Um, I have some really cool guests lined up, uh, for the next few ones. Um, and I'm so excited to share with you guys. So uh, keep coming back. Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate it so much. Jason, Calvin, Joy, thank you guys for coming on the show. Um, I just have a blast talking with you. And I like using the podcast as an excuse to catch up. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we'll get back at you next week. See ya.